It seems kind of hopeless right now, but you're going to figure this out. This is pretty debilitating. I'm able to turn my pain into purpose. There are people out in the world that do understand what you're going through. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Tyler about spinal muscular atrophy. According to hopkinsmedicine.org, spinal muscular atrophy, or SMA, is a disorder affecting the motor neurons, nerve cells that control voluntary muscle movement. These cells are located in the spinal cord. Because the muscles cannot respond to signals from the nerves, they atrophy, weaken and shrink from inactivity. One in every 6,000 babies is born with SMA. It is one of the most prevalent genetic disorders affecting young children and a major cause of death in infancy. As we'll discuss with Tyler today, there are several different forms of SMA. Tyler has type 2. So for Tyler, all voluntary muscle movement is severely limited. I know Tyler from his work on TikTok for his advocacy and his amazing sense of humor. And I'm so excited that we get to talk to Tyler on the podcast today. This conversation is extremely fun. Not only do we get to learn about Tyler's life and growing up with SMA, but I also got the chance to nerd out with him a little bit about Star Wars and video games, which you know I am always down for. (laughs) We'll learn about some of the assistive technology that Tyler uses, like a cough assist machine and the many wheelchairs he's used over the years. We also got into a fascinating discussion about how the world around you treats someone who's in a wheelchair and what it's like to exist in the world in a wheelchair, which is something that I also have some experience in. Up until recently, my medical situation was a huge mystery. My doctors now believe that I have mast cell activation syndrome, and the medication for that has vastly improved my mobility. But before that, we had no idea why my body wasn't working so good, and I needed a wheelchair to get out of the house for about two years. So I'm a huge fan of wheelchairs and the possibilities that they can provide for somebody with any mobility challenges. And it's always fun for me to talk to another wheelchair user and get their experience, particularly someone like Tyler who grew up using a wheelchair. All of this made for just an absolutely fantastic episode of the podcast. So much fun. I'm so excited that we have Tyler on the show today. Uh, This is someone that I've wanted to interview for quite a while, and I finally just reached out and asked, and he was super gracious in agreeing to come on the show and such a fun person to interview. I'm thrilled with how this episode turned out. Can't wait to share it with you and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. I do want to let you know that Tyler is currently doing a GoFundMe campaign to raise money for a new accessible van. So if you have financial resources and you can help out, I will put a link to that in the description of this podcast. This is a great cause and I hope you'll consider donating. This podcast is funded by our listeners on Patreon. I'm so incredibly grateful to our listeners who have decided to support this show with monthly financial contributions, ranging from $2 per month to $25 per month. Extra special thank you to our $25 per month producers, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. All of our Patreon subscribers gain access to monthly bonus episodes with myself and my partner, Andy. They are super fun. We were planning to record last weekend, and it did not happen because I had a little health flare-up, but I'm back on my feet and feeling good, and we will definitely be recording that over the next few days and getting it out to you. My apologies for the delay. But once a month, Andy and I sit down and talk about our health updates, what we're watching on TV, just things that are happening in our lives. It's always super fun, and those are available to everyone who supports us on Patreon at every tier. If you're interested in supporting this show financially, check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. We have several rewards at each tier, including special recognition, gifts like Major Pain coasters and tote bags made by my mom, 
and of course, our bonus episodes. And even if you're not signing up to support the show, you can still follow us on Patreon. I noticed this week that we have a couple people following the Patreon just to see what we post, which is awesome. You know, it, it is sort of a social media website as well. So that's a great place to keep up with the show. And again, that link is patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Speaking of keeping up with the show on social media, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at majorpainpodcast and on our newest platform, youtube.com slash at majorpainpodcast. This week, we hit 400 followers on Instagram, and we're getting really close to 4,000 followers on TikTok. So thank you all so much for your support, for interacting with the show on social media and helping this podcast grow. It means the world to me, and I am having so much fun making this show with your support. Another great way to support the show is by signing up to participate in research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice. If you have a diagnosis of any kind and you would like to participate in research studies and surveys and get paid for your time, check out our affiliate link, rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast. Someone new signed up again this week, which I appreciate so much. Every time someone signs up through our link, we get a $10 Amazon gift card, which is really helping to pay for my supplements <laughs> that I need to take for mast cell activation syndrome that are very expensive uh, that I just need to keep buying over and over again. So having these Amazon gift cards come in is a huge help. And if you sign up and are selected to participate in a research study or survey, you can be paid an average of $120 per hour for your time. Lastly, I'll remind you as always that my guest and I are not medical professionals, so please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic episode with Tyler about spinal muscular atrophy. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I am thrilled that you're here. Um, I know I told you in our private messaging that, you know, I love your TikTok channel. It's one of my favorite channels on TikTok, and I wow. am overjoyed to be talking to you today. I'm very honored. I'm really excited. Thank you for saying that. That's very nice. Yeah, I was just uh, going back through some of your TikToks yesterday. The how disabled is Star Wars post is Yo, fantastic. Thank you. Okay. Yo, hold on. Thank you. Because sometimes, okay, the TikTok is a wild place, right? I'll make a video and I'll be like, that was whatever. And then it does super well. And I'll like really think about something. I'll love what I'm doing and I'll post it. And it just doesn't do as well as I wanted it to. Yeah. And that was one of them. I love that one. I think that's so cool. I, so thank yeah. you for saying that. It's sensational. I think it's my favorite one you've done. General Grievous is a disabled icon. <laughs> it's yes. so funny. It is, though. That's yeah. what I'm trying to I'm trying to spread the word of the important things, you know? Yeah, totally. You had some great takes on Star Wars. It was, and it, thank you. you know, I love your page because it is so funny. You, you've got such an amazing sense of humor. I know you hear that all the time. I, 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 there are people that tell me that, but it, it always feels nice to know. And to say it face to face like this is really cool. So thank yeah. you. Well, I, and I totally hear you about TikTok being fickle. I have a uh, another TikTok channel where I green screen myself into old Star Trek episodes. And what? Yeah, I'm a big no nerd. Way. Yeah, you're a nerd too. I'm a oh, huge, nice. huge nerd. I'm like okay. I you know being a nerd is my defining characteristic. I used to okay. do a sci-fi podcast. So <laughs> that's amazing. So are you a spear based Star Wars fan? Yeah, or is I'm, it mainly Star Trek? Both. Both. Okay. Star Trek is my first love. Star Wars was, I discovered in like elementary school and totally fell in love. Okay. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Um, 
either the first Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back. Okay. With Return of the Jedi right after. I I love the original trilogy. Of the new stuff, I think Rogue One is sensational. Rogue One is so good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love Rogue One. Recently, I've seen a lot of rhetoric about um, The Last Jedi, Episode 8, being super good. And I really need to rewatch that because when it first came out, I remember everybody being like, this was weird for yeah. sure. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, this is one of the greatest Star Wars films ever made. And I feel like I'm missing the boat completely. That's so I how, need to rewatch episode eight for sure. That's how I feel about the prequels. You know, I. <laughs> oh, really? Wait, do you like episode three, though? I do. I do. And I, okay. I've grown to appreciate the prequels. But when I was a kid, I was in, you know, middle school when they came out. I skipped school to go to episode one. I was like, you know, getting the Star Wars Insider magazine. I was just yep. so excited. And I was so confused after the movie. And I watched it four times in the theaters before I decided that I didn't like it. You know, it was just yeah, like, right? what's okay. happening? But people love them now. You know, like, yes. people love the prequels. And I'm, I, it's like gone out of style to dislike the prequels. Where that was, you know, fandom bedrock when I was growing up. Is that no one liked the prequels. Absolutely. And I... Um, had the unique experience lately of showing my girlfriend Star Wars for the first time oh, yeah. uh, over Christmas. We watched all of them, and it was such a blast yeah. to watch it with someone who's never seen it because everything was new and exciting, yeah. and nothing was like bad or cringy. It was awesome. It was yeah. so good. I did that with my girlfriend a couple of years ago. As no well. way! Yeah. Isn't it so fun? It's, it's so, so fun. fun, right? Yeah, and I'm you know, see, I think like season two of The Mandalorian is also one of my favorite Star Wars movies. <laughs> okay, that's a very good take. The Mandalorian's great. I think that was awesome. Yeah, what do you think of season three? Uh, so, I don't agree with all of the online takes of people being confused. Like, the whole Jack Black and, and Lizzo thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's fine. It's Star Wars, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm definitely more of a, a, movie, a movie buff for Star Wars, for sure. I haven't yeah. watched Andor. I haven't watched Rebels, that stuff. Mm. The movies is where I usually uh, I usually hang out. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I actually loved the sequel trilogy. I liked all of them when they came out. And I was surprised. I'm, you know, still a little surprised how much people hate Rise of Skywalker. Because I really yeah, okay. like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I still haven't made up my mind. I, I've watched Rise of Skywalker twice. Yeah. Once in theaters and then recently again with my girlfriend. And there are there are... There are ups and downs for sure. Um, I do love the Aki Aki Festival of the Ancestors. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very fun. Um, yeah. But uh, other than that, it's it, it, you know it's it has its ups and downs for sure. Yeah, I mean, I totally get the criticism that the trilogy, the sequel trilogy, is not cohesive because it was made by yeah. two different filmmakers. Um, but yeah, I mean, even Last Jedi, I really liked uh, when it came out. I thought the I don't I <laughs> I'm feeling shy about spoilers which is silly because these movies everyone who's going to see them has seen them Um, but you know the ending of last jedi you know with like the confrontation with luke that's one of my favorite scenes in all of star wars i think it's like absolutely brilliant i love it when kylo ren's yelling more more that's the best that's the best i I quote that all the time (laughs) well okay i could talk star wars all day but we have important things to talk about today so let's get into this um, before we talk about your major pain, Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, okay. My name is Tyler. I am 25 years old. Uh, I am in California. I make, uh, I guess, disability content 
on on TikTok, um, whether it's comedy or comedy slash education or just whatever I, I'm, I'm feeling on the day of. Um, I have a beautiful girlfriend named Maria. I love her very much. Uh, shout out to Maria. I live with my family. Uh, I have a puppy named Alphaba, named after uh, <laughs> the musical Wicked. And I'm a big sports fan, a big Cincinnati sports fan. Um, and I'm a big nerd, as we've, as we've discovered, clearly. <laughs> okay, so you're nerdy for Star Wars, Wicked, and Cincinnati sports. What else makes yes. the list? Oh, boy. Uh, I, I'm a big Ariana Grande fan. Fun fact. Yeah, I'm awesome. wearing a sweatshirt <laughs> right now of hers. I play video games. I play mm. a lot of video games. Lately, awesome. I've been playing Fortnite because I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> and I've been having a lot of fun with that. I actually only... Okay, side note. I'm very proud of myself. Because, because my arms are limited mobility, which I'm sure we'll go into, I have a very hard time playing video games, mainly mm. shooters, mm. because there's a lot of aiming and moving and stuff. And I have found a way to play Fortnite with only my mouse. And I'm not terrible. And I think that's very impressive. So <laughs> I awesome. deserve I deserve my flowers. Yeah. Um, and other than that, I just kinda I just kinda hang out. I just kinda hang out. <laughs> well I think we have a lot in common. I'm I'm a gamer as well. I'm a Warframe. Oh nice. Warframe guy. Oh wow. Okay, I've never played Warframe. It's free. And you should play it. Oh it's wow. Great. Okay. Um, I think I might. They just released a new update yesterday called the Duviri Paradox. <laughs> Yeah. Which is like a new entry point because the game is 10 years old and they've just been yes. adding on to it for 10 years. So they made a new entry point for anyone who wants to try playing it for the first time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Didn't that come out when the PlayStation 4 first came out? I don't Wasn't even Wasn't that one of like the release games? I, I'm not sure. I mean, it was like actually 10 years ago. They just had the wow. 10 year anniversary. <laughs> That's crazy. What yeah. else do you play? Uh, I'm a big Nintendo Switch guy. I oh, used to stream. Nice. I used to stream Mario Maker and Breath of the Wild and Mario no Kart way. on YouTube a few years ago. Oh wow! Um, Maria and I uh, just got a Switch. Oh and great! So yeah, uh, I've been where I, I was. I haven't played in a minute now, but I was so addicted to. I think it's Kirby Clash. Uh huh. So addicted, mind-blowingly <laughs> addicted to this game. Um, the Switch is awesome. I love the Switch. Me too. Yeah, I actually play Warframe on the Switch, even though it's like oh, nice. the the slowest place to play Warframe. Like the lo load screens are really slow. I do most yeah. of my gaming in bed at the end of the day. You know. Oh, nice. Okay, as you should. Having a portable, you know, console is my favorite thing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get into what we're here to talk about today. So, Tyler, <laughs> what is your major pain? Uh, I have spinal muscular atrophy type two. Um, so essentially the, the, the quick version is that all of my motor functions don't function too well. Hmm. Um, anything that's a voluntary muscle, um, is severely limited and regresses over time. Um, but things that aren't like my heart or my brain, stuff like that, um, those, those work fine. Wow, interesting. What is the difference between type 2 and type 1? Type 1 is very serious. They've made uh, a lot of improvements with medication lately, mm. but it was, and it might still be like the number one genetic killer um, for babies. Wow. Um, most people with type 1 don't 
don't make it too long. You know, they're, they're, they're very young. They've come a long way um, in gene therapy and medicine and stuff like that. Um, but type two is a bit more of a spectrum. Um, it is uh, still limiting. Um, I, I, I'm considered a strong type two, which means I can move my arms and legs a little bit. Um, but that's, you know, strong type two is giving me a lot of credit there, right? Um, <laughs> and then type three um, is a lot more mobility. So oh. sometimes they can walk a little bit, um, but for the most part, still pretty, pretty debilitating. Wow. I'm curious to hear about what your life with this disease has been like. It, I'm assuming this is a genetic condition. Yes, I've had it my whole life. Yeah. Um, we discovered it. When, well, I didn't do anything, but uh, the Dodgers <laughs> discovered it uh, when I was about two. Um, so I've been in a wheelchair my entire life. Yeah. Um, I've needed help with pretty much everything physical, from brushing my teeth to um, going to school to doing homework. You know, just everything that you would need your arms for. Um, I need somebody else with arms for, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the wheelchair I've been in my whole life so i don't know i don't know life without the chair what was it like growing up tell me about you know being in school and uh yeah and i'm curious about learning about your own body as you were growing up and learning how it might have been different from your classmates yeah the, the interesting thing about my experience specifically um i i had amazing friends in school so i went to an elementary school it was very small, um, only about 30 kids in my class, and that was from kindergarten through eighth grade. And so I had the same, same kids with me the whole time, hmm. and they were just used to it. Um, I, I, I never got bullied in school. I had my two best friends, Mitchell and Paul, with me all the time. Um, even for recess and lunch, when we would play kickball, and I've talked about this before in my videos, they would make special rules so that I can play too. So if we were on defense and they would, they would hit the ball, if the ball hit me or my chair before the runner got to first base, they would be considered out, you know? <laughs> and so while my mom didn't love the fact that I was trying to get hit with these kickballs <laughs> every day at school, um, it was an amazing way for me to be included, you know? And, um, I, I always had the help I needed from my friends. Um, that, that was never a problem. The only time I got bullied, actually, is when I started posting videos to TikTok. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's, a, that's actually the only time I've ever been bullied, but um, that's okay. Um, but yeah, childhood was actually, I mean, I was lucky, I think. I think I was lucky. Yeah, I mean, for anyone having friends that have your back <laughs> it, as a kid is hugely hugely important yeah and i'm still the my two best friends mitchell and paul i've been friends with them since kindergarten and we still talk That's regularly awesome. so, so cool. i mean they're, they're lifelong ones you know yeah and then how about uh it sounds like you went through kindergarten and middle school at one school how about high school and college did you go to college yeah so high school was a bit of a culture shock because i went from a school with you know 30 kids in my class 200 kids total in the entire school and my high school had 4,000 kids. Um, and so that was like, whoa, there's a lot of people in the world right now. What's going on? <laughs> um, 
But uh, luckily, my two best friends, Mitchell and Paul, they still went with me to that school. So we went to the same high school, too. Um, and again, for the most part, you know, it, it went as good as high school could go, wow. I guess. Um, I had an aide with me. So she would sit with me in class um, all day long and help me with tests or getting my books out or whatever. But even on days where she couldn't make it, I was covered because the students around me were pretty, pretty solid people. Um, and if they were not, then they just didn't tell me about it. You know, they didn't make fun of me or anything. Um, so high school was okay. Obviously, it was awful to go to high school. I didn't love high school on its own independently. Um, but th- luckily, the chair didn't make it any worse than it had to be. I was pretty involved. I was part of the student government. I was part of clubs. Um, I was I was outgoing as I could have been, I think. So I think that might have helped. Um, and then college, I went to UCLA. I graduated with a double major in political science and sociology. And I don't use any of those majors currently, um, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, I lived on campus, which was super exciting because as somebody with a disability, that was something I never thought possible. Um, but we made it work. We had um, a rotation of UCLA nursing students that would be on the clock for me, um, as well as an overnight nurse. And with those combined, I was able to live independently at, at college. It was a very exciting experience. Awesome. That's so cool. How do you feel about these aids that have helped you along the way? Oh, goodness. Amazing. Because of the nature of my disability, um, it's a lot of hanging out with me. Hmm. You know, they, they do have to help me. Um, but the help comes in between long pauses of whatever activity I'm doing. Um, so I essentially became very, very good friends with most of these people, um, especially because they were students themselves. So most of the time, it was just hanging out uh, with a friend. Uh, which was super, super cool. You know, we would watch Netflix, whatever, have outings, go to, to get food, you know. Um, so as, as much as they were my helpers, they were definitely friends as well. Yeah, so cool. Do you know of any people, like maybe famous celebrities or anything with spinal muscular atrophy, anyone that people might be familiar with? So... Um, the, the, the biggest name in the SMA community that I'm aware of is Shane Burkaw. Um, he has a channel with his wife, Hannah called Squirmy and Grubs. Um, they do a lot of couples content, advocacy, um, that type of thing. And I've actually been mistaken for him several times. I think I've seen them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You probably have. He yeah. has SMA as well. And, um, I think he might be the biggest, the biggest name right yeah, now. Very cool. I know this is sort of a hard question to answer, but what is it like to have SMA? That's a very good question. Um, and I think the reason that that might be so hard to answer is because it's all I've known. Sure. It's just kind of my reality. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like normal to me, which might be why it seems like I embrace it so easily because it doesn't feel like there's anything to embrace. It just feels like that's the way I live. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that is, is the people around me being so supportive, whether it's my family or 
girlfriend or friends where everyone's everyone's on the same board that it's all right we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and i think that, that that's really helpful yeah i mean to fight against it is to fight your own body and that's never good absolutely for anyone. yeah <laughs> exactly was that something that came to you easily or was it something you had to learn over time i would probably say it's realistically a mixture of both i think maybe for a while i was probably ignorant to a lot of the things even i go through because of how easy my childhood was you know when i got to high school i started going to the hospital a little bit more mm. my lung collapsed um i started to have to use a bipap at night to sleep where i never had to do that before there are times where it hits me and i think i know what the heck i'm doing and then all of a sudden something happens and i realize i have no idea what i'm doing um and i think in those times i realized that it takes a while but in the in the in-between period it feels like i'm good i know what's up but i don't i never do <laughs> and i imagine it must change over time as well for sure absolutely when i first started going to the hospital more and more it was scary you know i, I would get cold and then because my lungs aren't strong that would be very dangerous you know and that would freak me out and i had a lot of anxiety about about getting sick about having to go to the hospital um and i still definitely have those anxieties for sure um but now i i'm starting to see that that's a very real thing i have to worry about and it's not some mystical like oh hopefully it never happens um so i feel like i'm, I'm a little more grounded than i used to be in my own disability um for sure yeah so i know you're not a doctor but what can you tell us about the um the process of what's happening in your, in your body with this disease or anyone with this disease what is actually happening yeah, that's a great question. And you're so right in the fact that I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> but uh, I should know. Uh, uh, what I know is that there is a protein in my body that is not being produced. Hmm. Um, and because of that, um, it is very, 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 very hard for me to move. Um, there are recent developments in terms of treatment, which is very exciting. Um, but in terms of what's happening in my body, basically a protein is not being produced, which I should probably know more specifically about. Um, <laughs> That's plenty. That's plenty to know. And over time, it gets it gets worse and worse um, because I'm not using the muscles, so they mm. you know they atrophy over time. Yeah? And so um, <laughs> and so it, it gets harder to move. So I, I don't really gain strength, but because my body got bigger and stuff. Um, it it kind of seemed like I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing strength, if you will. Yeah, interesting. So it's not just the the disease causing atrophy; it is the the lack of movement also causing atrophy on top of that. Exactly correct. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. So I mean, this is a hard question, but does this uh, disease affect lifespan in in patients? Uh, it can. Um, definitely type one. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, there's been a lot of recent developments, but it used to be pretty significant, um, a one to two year lifespan type situation, maybe more. Um, but there's been a lot of very exciting developments for type two and three. It so depends. There's not like a, um, a set life, uh, span. 
But if you're not careful and you get sick more often and you don't take care of yourself, it could very well um, affect that in the future for sure. Hmm. Are there things that you do for your muscles to, you know, like, do you run electricity through them or something to try yeah. to stimulate them in any way? There are things I should definitely do, right? <laughs> I, should do my, I should do my stretches, my exercises every morning and every night. Sometimes I skip it. Um, uh, it's mainly keeping me loose, keeping my um, whatever functions I have, trying to keep those um, rather than build more. It, that's less realistic. Mm-hmm. It's more maintain a baseline. Um, and that's kind of where I've been at for a few years now is just trying to maintain uh, whatever movement I have left, you know. Yeah. Do you know anything about these developments that you've mentioned with type one? Um, and do you know if they are making developments with type two or type three as well? Yeah. So a lot of the, for the most part, a lot of the medicine is mainly for babies, mainly for, um, I think mainly for type one, type two, um, but it's mainly for children. Because if we get it early, um, that's the most effective. I am on a medication right now that I take once a day um, by mouth. And it's shown to not be as effective in, in adults. Hmm. Um, but uh, we, we still think it's helping maintain uh, the baseline, which is very exciting. Um, but um, for sure, the main target um, are babies, yeah. which is super exciting. But I missed that about, about like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> not a baby anymore not a baby anymore how many wheelchairs have you owned over the years Ooh, i just got a new one last year um i had one in high school probably five five or six yeah i get one every five years um that's when insurance will finally think that i might need a new one and so i get one every five years so yeah probably about five or six yeah in total I I love wheelchairs. I you know oh, we, yeah. we, we talked a little bit before we started recording and I shared with you a bit of my experience um with a wheelchair and how it really kind of opened my life up to new possibilities. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and I had, you know, I got a free one that barely worked and it was of like course. this is amazing. I wish I had a good one and my, you know, my partner Andy was able to um get me a nice wheelchair because insurance wasn't going to cover it. And yeah. it was like night and day, you know, to have a tool that gave me my mobility back was just like overwhelmingly positive in my life. So yeah. I have a lot of appreciation for what wheelchairs can do. Oh, nice. Was it manual or was it? It was uh, manual. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. so cool. Wow. Yeah. Oh, did, did you, um, were there any hesitations for you when you first, started using it you know there was i had a huge hesitation towards using a cane which happened a couple years prior because that was like you know i had been homesick for probably two years before getting a cane i've had this thing on and off my whole life and i had periods in the past where i was like out for a while um most notably like a year in my early 20s and I was just expecting this thing to go away, you know? Usually, oh, I'd, like, okay. go home and rest for a year, <laughs> and then I'd go back to work. Hibernate. <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, in high school, I, I had some issues, but I was able to kind of, like, move through my life like an exhausted zombie going to school. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until my 20s where I was like, okay, I can't do my life. I need to rest for a year. And then when I left work in my 30s, I expected the same thing. So, a couple of years into it, I'm like, it's not going away. 
I'm barely able to, you know, get my dog outside. I need help. Maybe I'll try a cane. And I wrestled with that for months and months. And it was like okay. so upsetting and depressing. And then I got it and I was like, this is great. I wish I'd done this oh, months ago. Wow. Okay. So then I started like kind of fantasizing about a wheelchair because, you know, being on my feet was so awful and I could go so short of a distance mm -hmm. that I started thinking, you know, man, a wheelchair would really help. But there was definitely some feelings of, you know, what are other people going to think? And Absolutely. I think that, you know, once I got the chair, it was a very complicated day. I remember very vividly the day that I picked it up and, you know, went around the block. It was a beautiful summer day, like, oh, you know, nice. here up in Seattle, like the cherry blossoms are blooming and the sun's coming through the trees and I'm outside on the street, you know, moving myself in a way that isn't awful. Uh, yeah. And even though I, you know, didn't have my skills yet, because it takes some getting used to for sure. And there was definitely some sadness, you know, sadness that I was doing it, but there was also this feeling of like relief and that kind of yeah. overrode it. So yeah, very, very complicated. I, the only bad experiences I had in a wheelchair were because of other people and the way that other people mm. treated me or responded to me. And that brings me to my next question. Is that something that you've experienced over the years? Oh, for sure. And I definitely want to hear more about your experience with that too. Um, but yeah, you know, there are, there are ignorant people for sure. One that comes to mind, uh, I used to work for Fox Sports as an intern there. And one of the cameramen on one of the shows thought I was there for the Make-A-Wish program. And I just ended up, I just worked there. So that was, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that was very, that was very telling for him. Oh, um, no. That's by far one of my favorite experiences I think I've ever had. Um, just because that's so funny. That's yeah. so <laughs> over the top funny to me the fact that i just i just worked there no i just work here i think that's so good um but yeah i mean there's a lot of it's a lot of infantilizing it's yes. a lot of talking down it's not like being mean to me that's not the main ableism that i've i've experienced it's more um treating me like a like a, like a sad puppy almost you know yeah um that that's that's been the main bulk of the ableism that i've experienced yeah, totally. That was, I had a lot of those experiences as well of, you know, assuming that I can do nothing because. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like, there's plenty I can do. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm alone at the grocery store, you know, like I got myself here. I'm shopping. I'm doing it, you know. <laughs> exactly. In college, if I was on my way to class, if I stopped moving for any reason, <laughs> it took about. It took like five seconds for somebody to ask me if I was okay. Yeah. And like, I, I'm good. You know, I, yeah. just, I just stopped for whatever reason. Um, but they would come <laughs> so up to me and ask if I need help. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I was only, um, you know, using a chair for about two years. So, my experience <laughs> is very, very different, very limited. But I do, I mean, yeah, that was, that was definitely something for sure. Like, you stop moving, people assume that you are you know, about to die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap in what you've experienced and what I've experienced, but um, that's, that's for sure. One of them. I think that's so funny to me. The, one that's of the so funniest good. ones that happened to me was at the grocery store. This, uh, this guy stopped me and asked if he could perform a faith healing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that's the best. No, that, that happened to me before. Um, I don't, I, I, I've also talked about this, but I wear, I wear this wrist brace 
This is one of my favorite stories. I wear this wrist brace on my left hand, and it's just for stability. Like, my wrist isn't broken, it's just so that it's easier to hold my hand up. And, oh god, 2016, 2017, it was the height of Pokemon Go, because I was playing Pokemon <laughs> Go. Um, and I, I, I was out with my friend, and somebody came up to me and asked if they could pray for me. Yeah, It was two people, and I was like, oh, sure. You know, like, I, this has happened before. I'm just going to go with it, you know, and see what happens. And they start praying over my wrist. Mm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you're going to look at all of me here, and you're going to pray for my wrist? And then I started being upset that, like, if this were to be the prayer that worked, and my wrist gets healed, <laughs> that they totally messed that one up. Like, yeah. how do you look at me and start doing that? Um, but yeah, the pray for me, that is... That's a classic one for sure. I was so tempted to stand up out of my chair because, you know, oh my God. I was always a, ambulatory. So you should just give them the biggest, the biggest it's ego like, boost of all time. What? Yeah. What's happening? Oh, oh my God. I feel it. <laughs> you yes. know, I, I oh was really God. tempted. I'm Jewish and I'm not religious. So mm-hmm. having someone pray over me is not a comfortable thing for me. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) But, you know, I've learned from religious people in my life that the intention of prayer is like, I want to give you some good positive healing energy because I care. And I try to keep that in mind, you know? So, in this moment, when this man starts praying over me, I I was just like, ridiculously uncomfortable. Like, we're in the middle of the grocery store and he's like really close to me. um, And I want to just, you know, finish shopping and go home. But... I just like sat through it and let him, you know, do his thing, which felt weird. Like I kind of felt like I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to do that, you know, to make this other person comfortable to, to suffer my own discomfort, but I did it. Yeah. It's a lot of that. I totally understand. It's a lot of picking your own, ba- picking your battles. Yeah. You know, like if, do I want to, do I want to tell this guy why this is bad or do I just want to sit here for 20 seconds you know, it, it's a lot of that for sure. Yeah. Whether it's even just talking to people I just meet, if they say something or do something that makes me go, I don't know about that. Yeah. I'll consciously think to myself, like, I'll never see this person again. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I'm just going to move on and yeah. go play Fortnite or whatever. Yeah. The bad, bad experiences are when people like grab my chair and start pushing me, um, which is... I don't know if that happens as much for someone in a, a powered chair. It does not. Good. That's it's a bad horrifying. one, though. I would hate that. It's That's really very scary. scary. Yeah. And, like, I, you know, the one time where it happened that was, like, really bad, this guy, I, I was going up a hill, and, you know, I'm still, like, so excited that I can power myself up a hill at all because, yeah. like, I hadn't been really leaving my apartment before getting the chair because it was, like, so hard to to walk. Um. And I was like going up a hill and this guy grabbed my chair and starts pushing me. And then I turn around and tell him to stop because like, it's like being picked up and, and carried yes, off. It's like being abducted. Sure. Um, and he wouldn't stop. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I got you. Oh, and I'm like, let go of me, you know? And he like, he, he wouldn't stop. I, I slam my brakes on and he keeps pushing me. And I was in my first chair, which was a horrible chair with these oh, you know, rubber wow. wheels with no tread. So he's still pushing me up the, up the hill. <laughs> And I'm just like screaming and I eventually turn, I like turn myself around and I scream at him the way that I would yell at my dog. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, <laughs> I felt awful, but like he, I yeah, couldn't get him to stop. It's very violating for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And that thing of like people coming up to you when you stop for a second, like if I was crossing the street, people would run up to me. It's like, Oh, let me help you. Let me help you. It's like, yeah. I'm already halfway through the street. You know, I'm going to make yes. it. <laughs> yeah. I think I've had like maybe just a small bit of that when like, in high school, if somebody's trying to be funny, they'll like grab the joystick and move me a little bit. Oh. And it's not like too far, but like even in that small moment of not having control of the chair, it's terrifying. So somebody yeah. pushing me, I can't even imagine that would, that would freak me out. Yeah, totally. And that someone, if you know, someone moving my chair with the control that is mine to use, mm -hmm. that would really freak me out too. It's a lot. It's a lot yeah. to handle for sure. I didn't do this often, but I did make a couple of TikToks about my experience using a wheelchair. And mm -hmm. I, I made one where you're talking about that idea where people just like come up to you constantly and yes. ask you if you need help. And, and that is infantilizing. And it was driving me crazy. Yes. <laughs> so I made a TikTok saying like, if you see someone that you think is in need of help, you know, I would prefer if you just came up and said hi first, say, hey, yeah. how are you doing? And like, that was my theory for the people who want to help, uh, just say hello, because you're opening up a conversation. And if, if I need help, I can then ask for it because you've opened this up. That's, that's fair. I, I think that it's, it's, it's fair to assume that if people need help for the most part, um, in a wheelchair, they will ask, yeah. um, for the help. Yeah. Um, so assuming that somebody needs something is a dangerous game to play to say the least. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's so complicated. You know, I had such an interesting experience because like I would have good days sometimes where I could walk. And then the next day I'd go do the same exact thing. Like maybe I'd go to the grocery store and then the next day I'd go to pick up a prescription. It's always the grocery store. That's where I was always yeah. going. Yeah, I, I um, was about to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so sometimes I'd be there on back to back days, one day on foot. And then the next day in a wheelchair, because like oftentimes if I were to walk somewhere, I'd pay for it for, you know, a week or something. Yeah. Uh, this is all prior to getting medication and, and seeing some huge improvement recently. But just feeling like so much more inconspicuous when I was walking versus when I was yeah. in the wheelchair. Just feeling all eyes on me and feeling everyone sort of judging my presence. Do you, do you feel that? Yeah, I definitely get the looks. Um, it's, it's, the ones that, that make me more upset are, um, well, obviously, but the adults, because kids will stare all the time because like, oh, it's the first time they've seen uh, a car in the supermarket. We're always <laughs> in the supermarket now. That's, yeah. what, that's what we're going to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so and the kids, uh, you know, they, they're seeing it for the first time, whatever. But when the adults stare, it's like, come on. Like, what, what are you trying to know? Like you're an adult. I'm pretty sure you know everything about this that you need to know, or you can Google it. Um, funny enough, interesting side note, I went to the, I've been going to the gym to support my girlfriend. Um, and we were going like three times a week. And when we went to the gym for the first time, I was expecting it to feel weird because I was in a gym and like, I can't use any of the equipment or like, I don't know. I was expecting people to wonder why I'm there. In the gym is like the least I've ever felt that people are staring at me. I, I feel like everybody was extremely just like, oh, okay. Because they're in their zone. They're mm. doing their own thing. 
They're not worried about it. And I was shocked to not feel that all eyes on me type thing um, while in a gym. And I thought that was a very interesting experience for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's fascinating. You know, it, right? there was, there's always this element of like, you know, from a sociology perspective, which, you know, you studied, you mm -hmm. know, the way that people react to other humans in all sorts of different situations and with different stimuli and with, with and without accessibility devices. Absolutely fascinating. It's like so yeah. interesting. And I think um, I'm definitely an observer. Mm -hmm. I, I'll sit there quietly, but I will be aware of every single thing that's going on in any given room. And I think part of that is that because of the chair all my life, I've been hyper aware of what I need um, mm -hmm. and what I can do around me. And also small things like I'm the, I'm the youngest of three. So I've been watching like my adult uh, brother and sister my whole life, just living and taking it all in and understanding. So I'm, I'm, I'm hyper vigilant for sure. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it was a weird experience not feeling watched. Um, yeah, so interesting. Everyone's working on their, their tries and delts and just yeah, focusing it was really on that. Cool. <laughs> I felt like I was with it. I was like, all right, because I had never been in a gym before. You know, I've never needed to go. I can't use any of the equipment. So when I went in, I was like, all right, I am, I am one of the people. Like to do it, you know? It was very <laughs> exciting. So you mentioned your siblings. That reminded me of something I wanted to ask. Um, mm -hmm. So this is a genetic condition. Is it like a recessive trait that has to be inherited from both parents? So from my understanding, and do not quote me because I don't know about that. <laughs> I think if both parents have the gene, it is a 25% gen. So yeah, recessive, right? Okay, um, yeah. But um, if one of them has it, it's like a super, 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 super low chance. Um, and I don't know if we know if both my parents have it or what. What we do know is I was the lucky one of the three to get it. So that's all the information um, about that that I know of. Yeah. W were there complicated feelings around that growing up with siblings who did not have this disease? Honestly, no. That never even crossed my mind. It was so... I gotta tell you, growing up, it was just like, and I don't know if it's a product of the people around me, my environment, ignorance, or what, um, probably all of it combined, but I was so, yeah, this is me. This is my life. Hmm. Like, it, I, I never felt that, it didn't even cross my mind that my brother or sister could have gotten it until somebody mentioned that to me in like high school. Wow. I was like, oh yeah, that's no, I guess I hit the jackpot actually with that one. Um, <laughs> But no, you know, I, I've, everyone's been pretty cool and I never felt any feelings of resentment or confusion, especially towards my family. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, tell me more about any other assistive technology that you use. And I absolutely oh, want to hear more about uh, assistive video gaming technology because that, that's, that's something so interesting to me. So yeah, that is one of the most difficult things to be. I know that's this might okay, maybe not the most difficult, but one of the more day to day difficult things that I've experienced with my disability is not being able to play games as effectively as I used to. Hmm. Um, I I have my chair and I have this table like a tray that connects to my chair. And I would put my controller on it um, and I would play video games that way. So I don't 
I don't hold it, but it's like there for me in front of me. Um, and it's been hard over the years as my, my mobility gets worse, my finger movement, my hand movement, um, those all get worse. So it's been harder and harder to play games, which is why I switched to PC because at least maybe I can use the mouse and keyboard or get switches and buttons and stuff. Um, but it's so unique to the disability that it is very, very hard to find adaptive games, um, especially adaptive equipment. So what I've done is more focus on what games are out there that I can play and then I'll figure it out rather than games I want to play and then figure it out. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's how I feel about food now, now that I, now, oh, that we, yeah. now that we think that I have MCAS, I, it's just like, you know, 90% of food is off the table. So yes. then it's like looking at the 10% and trying to decide what sounds good. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I used to play Call of Duty all the time. Um, and just, no, I can't do that anymore. I can't mm. aim. And that's like the main thing, you know? So I, I, I can't play that. Um, I, I mentioned Fortnite that I've been playing recently, but any shooter is very hard. The, yeah. the moving left and right, the aiming, the jumping, it's too many buttons. Um, and there are adaptive equipment out there whether it be switches or um, different controllers. But for my specific mobility, it doesn't help as much as, as I want it to, which is why. Have you heard of the game Hearthstone? Uh-huh. That's one of my main games. I've been playing it for like 10 years, I think, 10 or 11 years. And it's just a card game, you know? So when I, when I started playing it, it was just clicking. And that was like, okay, finally, I can fully participate in this thing. Um, and then I got super good. Yeah. And I really, really enjoy it. So it, it depends on the, on the disability. I've heard that Hearthstone is one of those games that you can just put all your time into. <laughs> yep. And I have been doing that for many, many, <laughs> many years. For sure. Yeah. So are there, uh, I know that some games will have, you know, like assistive <laughs> modes inside yeah. the game itself. Is that, is that something you seek out? Yeah, um, a few years ago, PlayStation, and I don't know if they were the first ones to do it, probably not. For a console, they made it so that you can rebind the controls. So mm -hmm. you can make it like X, R2, or Triangle, yeah. R1, or whatever. That was huge. Mm -hmm. That was like, wow. And that's one of the main reasons, apart from PlayStation exclusives, but that I always played PlayStation growing up, is because they were just more accessible, it seemed. Um so uh, re rebinding the the buttons was like a huge thing, a yeah. huge thing. And games have been adaptive, you know, um, like auto looting things or um, auto sprint, so you don't have to hold it down, stuff like that. They've been making it easier for sure um, over time. Yeah, or those RPGs where you can just set it to auto battle. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I played. I went through a stretch where. Um, I played WoW for a while, mm. um, and that was actually pretty cool because you can bind like macros and stuff. So you just push one button and then do all your attacks, and then you're good to go. Yeah. Um, so World of Warcraft was actually very fun to play. Are there assistive tools that you use um, outside of video games and outside of the wheelchair? Um, yes, there are. Let me think of them. <laughs> um, the thing is... It, it's so 
Well, I mean, there's like uh, the things that I might not assume as tools, but you might like the, I, I, I use a lift system to get mm. in and out of bed. Sure. So it's attached to the ceiling. Um, and then a sling goes around me and picks me up. And then we pull me over to my chair. Um, there's all my medical equipment. Um, whether it's a cough assist machine that helps me bring up any mucus that I may have in my lungs. A cough assist um, machine. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's a lifesaver. Um, quite literally. Hmm. It helps blow air into my lungs and then helps pull it out. So I cough with it. Um, like as it sucks air out, I cough. Um, and that thing has single handedly saved me a couple of times. Um, wow. It's probably one of the most important pieces of equipment that I have. I recently had a pretty bad hospital scare um, in October. And uh, I, long story short, I had to go to a new hospital and they had never heard of a cough assist machine, which was mind boggling to us. Um, so we had to bring my own. But if something bad happened to that and they didn't have one, I would have been up a creek for sure because because um, of the nature of my disability, I can't cough. I always say that I, I, my lungs don't work, but the, 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 the true scientific thing is that the muscles around my lungs don't work. And so opening them and closing them is a lot harder to do. Um, and so I can't cough up mucus and stuff like that. Um, so when I'm sick, if I don't clear my lungs out, pneumonia could start mm. and then it's more of not being able to clear it out and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So this cough assist will help me um, obviously clear my lungs um, in a timely manner to where we don't have to worry about that. Um, so that's probably my most important equipment piece. Yeah, um, so, sure. so interesting. You're making me realize that this disease must affect your body in all these little ways that you know that you yes. wouldn't readily think about things that you have to stay yeah. on top of and and take care of yeah every morning i do a breathing treatment to to clear my lungs so i'll just breathe in some saline and i'll be real for like 30 minutes to make sure everything is is tip-top shape um the lungs are are probably the biggest problem that i have um mm. That is one of the sneaky things that you might not think about as because you see my wheelchair. Not you, but you generally you, yeah. right? <laughs> the um, royal you. <laughs> the royal you, yeah. Um, they see my wheelchair and might think, oh, he can't walk. You know, but there is so much, yeah. so much more on a daily basis that I have to deal with um, than just not being able to walk. And that must be so <laughs> exhausting when you're just like, I don't want to deal with this today. For sure. Can I take one day Absolute, off? Absolutely. Um, energy. There are days where I have no energy at all. Mm. And I just do the things that I have to do because I have to do them. Yeah. But I so deeply don't want to. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you just have to find the, find the mental fortitude to just do it. Because yep. there is no other choice. Exactly. Um, and like, I, you know, I have some things like that with like the, you know, taking medication, doing certain things for myself. If I do one thing wrong, then I will flare up. And then I'm just like laid out on the couch and I'm 
you know, nothing will happen for the rest of the day and I'll just sit there yeah. miserable. So it's like this tightrope and every once in a while, I just want to test it and see, well, maybe if I skip it today, it'll be okay. And then it's not. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy part for me is that like, cause I, I don't know if I'm lazy or not, but sometimes I feel incredibly lazy because even things like brushing my teeth, I don't do myself. Somebody else brushes my teeth, but even then, I feel like I don't want to do that. Like, even though somebody's doing it for me, I'm like, no, I'm too late to do it. And I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on in my mind during that time, but I find that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to be living inside of um, a scientific situation where. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know how to explain this, but like, I'll look at my own body as like an interesting science oddity sometimes. Yep. And yep. I'm like, t I'm taking in all this information. Oh, if I do this, then my body does that. And it's kind of like detached from the fact that it's actually <laughs> happening to me. Exactly. Like in the, if I have to wake up early or I didn't sleep well and I have to get ready for the day, there are times where I just zone out. Hmm. And then before I know it, I'm in my chair all ready for the day and i didn't i didn't i didn't do it you yeah. know i was not i was not mentally there i didn't physically do it um but because people helped me so much um those things get done so sometimes i'm grateful for that because and you know now i'm up and ready and, and it's good to go but other times it feels weird kind of being taken through the motions hmm. without actually wanting to do it yeah yeah, very interesting. I can only imagine, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I, I so appreciate you sharing all this with us. It's so interesting. And getting, yeah. getting to learn a little bit about your disease is, is really fascinating. And it's been so much fun, too. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a good time, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just have a couple more questions for you. So, how has this affected your relationships with your family throughout the years? Um, I have had um, an, um, I don't know how to put it into words uh, an amazing time with my family mm -hmm. I think I am extremely lucky and fortunate or blessed whatever word you want to put there um, for how my family has handled the situation that they got handed um, obviously for me it's hard um, but it's all I've ever known. For my parents, they had their third kid and their life got turned upside down. Mm -hmm. um, and they took it in stride. My mom became one of the leading uh, people for, for SMA in Southern California. Um, she became like the chairperson. People with SMA, um, their families called her when they needed help. She, she really, really, really um, did everything that she could do to make sure that she knew what I needed. She helped me live the most um, normal life, quote unquote, that you could possibly live. Um, and so I, I have nothing but respect for, for how they handled this situation. Amazing. That's so cool. I mean, you know, we are nothing without loved ones and support. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm. I'm blessed. I'm lucky. I'm. 
all of those wonderful things. How long, sure. how long have you and your girlfriend been seeing each other? Uh, 19 months. 19 approaching months. 19 months. Yeah. Awesome. And it's the coolest thing ever. I'm so, she's the best. <laughs> she is the greatest. Um, I, if she's listening to this, hello. I love you. Um, but it's so much fun. We're, right now, she's back home. We were doing on and off again long distance. Um, and she's coming real soon, a few more weeks. And we are just counting down the days. We are super excited. Um, I miss her so much. She's amazing. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> so if they continue to try new things and make new medications, maybe they find some way to, you know, synthesize this protein and get it in your body in some way. Are, are those things that you're interested in trying? Yeah, I think, I think to a certain extent. Um, for a while, the, the, the medication was only administered, well, for a while, for a few years, the medication was only administered through a spinal injection. Oof. And I had to get those every three months. Oof. And towards the end, I had enough. Yeah. I was like, I can't do that. I had a pretty bad experience on the last one that I had to do. And I was like, I can't do this. Luckily, they had recently come out with a, an oral solution that you take daily instead. Um, which was way better. So I think for now, my stance is as long as it doesn't suck so much to get whatever <laughs> they have to give me, yeah. um, I would be more than happy to, to, to try to help for sure. Yeah. I, I imagine that SMA, which also, <laughs> I did another episode about superior mesenteric artery syndrome. Oh, which no, is also, I'm the second SMA. Also oh, SMA. No. <laughs> Very different oh, SMA. Oh, um, man. I imagine that it becomes a part of your identity. Uh, you've yes. lived with it your whole life. It's a piece of who you are. If they made like a magic pill that took it away, I, I can only imagine that that might actually be a, a difficult decision as to whether or not to take it. That's funny that you asked me that because I've been wrestling with the idea of making a video about like, if I could magically not have it anymore, would I? Um, and it's a nuanced answer. I, yeah. I don't think it's a, it's a straight yes or a straight no. Um, there's a lot of factors that come into play. Um, a lot of very real health problems that would make a lot of sense to not have to deal with anymore. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention the people in my life. Um, if I could make it so their lives are easier um, by taking this, that really heavily makes me want to do it. You know, still at that point when you phrase it like that, I start feeling selfish if I don't, because then I'm still having the people in my life deal with it as well, you know? Um, but also it's, it's my identity. Like you said, it's, it's why I know the people I know. It's why I have the sense of humor I have. It, um, it's made me, me, I don't think I'd be nearly the same person if I was born without it. And thinking about that, it's, it's very, it's very conflicting, you know, it brings a lot of conflicting emotions. I 100% understand. We are a accumulation of everything that we've learned and experienced throughout our mm -hmm. lives. And you're, I mean, you're a great guy, you know? Thank and you. <laughs> who who knows so. who you'd be without yes. this disease, you know? Not to say you exactly. wouldn't be a great guy, but... No, you're right, though. But, it, but who it, knows? It could be an entirely different situation. 
Yeah, you, that's you, something I even want to know. I don't know. You unravel the tapestry of your own existence when you pull something yep. this fundamental out of yourself. Like, you know, I mean, our situations are very different, but I know that what I've struggled through medically has improved me and I like myself more because I, and I had, had all these revelations about how I used to be when I didn't appreciate, you know, mm. going for a jog or something. Um, yeah. And like all these feelings of like, wow, I, I don't, I don't like a lot of the things about who I used to be that I didn't even realize I didn't like because yeah. I was ignorant to, you know, so many different things. So it's like, I would never want to replace that, you know, take that away. Very different situation, but it really opened my mind to the fact that, you know, the experiences that we live through are so crucial to who we become that, yeah. you know, t to take them away or to devalue them in some way kind of, it can take away from yourself in a way that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, I um, absolutely, everything you said rings very true. And it boils down to like, sure, if I could magically not have to go to the hospital um, and do that stuff all the time, I'd probably say yes. Yeah. But you know, if it was a wonderful, a wonderful life situation and I was not born or I was born without mm. the disability, I don't think, I, I don't know at that point. That's, yeah. That's a that's a that's a that's a real tough one. Totally, yeah. Because if if you if there was some new treatment now that would you know make it so you'd have to go to the hospital less often, yeah, hundred percent. Let's yes. hop on board. That sounds great. Because all the experiences that you've lived through are still a part of you and will never not be a part of you. Exactly. I I mean, in a very real way, I went to the schools I went to. I met the people I met. Um, I'm with my girlfriend now all because of my disability mm -hmm. all all of those things um my disability has led to whatever avenue of those things happening um whether it's having to move or going to a certain school or joining tiktok or whatever you know it's it, it all boils back down to because of the disability yeah and i think that's that's very important to remember yeah and also how you have managed your disability I think that there's a lot of agency in how you have done that that is very admirable. I appreciate that, actually, because right when you said that, I often forget that I, too, am a part of this. <laughs> and so, um, I, I, I appreciate that a lot, actually. Yeah, it's very, I, I can tell you, even though I've only known you for an hour, I, I have also, <laughs> like, engaged with a lot of your content. And I, you know, I think that you have... Uh, fantastic outlook and thank you you know such a great personality and i i have a lot of admiration for what you're doing out in the world on tiktok i'm I so really appreciate that i'm so frustrated that you've been bullied on tiktok oh that's <laughs> that's okay it's always uh it's always the same archetype it's some like either teenage or young adult white guy and they're just always like, hey, you're Timmy from South Park. Oh, no. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> nice. Real good. And then, and then 200,000 other people will be like, yeah, he is Timmy from South Park. Oh, yeah. no. It's okay. It, it happens. But I, I don't let it affect me. Um, yeah, I, I try not to let it affect me. Let me be a little more honest with everybody. Yeah. Um, I try not to let it affect me. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's... It, it comes with the territory. I've accepted it.
Yeah. Well, the work you're doing is so important. You know, I, your type of advocacy is, is what I love, where it's like, hey, I'm going to teach you a little bit. I'm going to make you laugh. And I'm also, let's talk about General Grievous being a disability yeah. icon. You know, that's, you. that's the best. <laughs> I gotta be honest, the fact that you brought that video up brings me so much joy because I had so much fun talking about that. So yeah. I appreciate that so much. And, you know, I, the TikTok algorithm, a lot of it is like literally just random. And yes. we've learned that TikTok actually sometimes, they call it, I think, sweetening. They like sweeten the numbers oh. on some videos manually. So, oh, and there's so many videos okay. out there. So, you know, if you're reaching one person who's, and you, I mean, you're reaching way more than one person. You've got a, you know, a big audience and you're doing amazing things. Um, if you're reaching anyone that it makes a positive impact in their day, it's so worthwhile. That is absolutely something I try to keep in mind. It's that hard. exact sentiment. It's hard for sure. Yeah. Yeah. As a content creator, I know. I know how hard that can be because it feels, sometimes it feels like a slap in the face. It's like, I, I, yeah. I did so much work and this thing got yes. viewed by like 20 people and now I want to cry. And <laughs> It's a lot of emotions. Yeah. And then I start judging myself for thinking like, oh, why do I think I should get this? Like, and then it's, it's a lot of judgment and then mm. a lot of like accepting after that. It's okay. Some yeah. people liked it and that's what's important. Every release is a gamble as a content creator. Yes. And it's it's addicting because it is like gambling it's like sometimes you you know you throw a good dice i don't gamble i don't know <laughs> you like, throw a good dice you throw a good dice and then and you, you get a card or something yes yeah, cards something roulette i don't know you you get a million views and it feels great That's and then awesome. the next time you get you know like you get a thousand views and it feels like you failed whereas like two years ago if you'd gotten a thousand views you would have been through the roof excited <laughs> That's it's, the it, thing. The, yeah, it's tough. The bar, the bar keeps moving depending on how your content's right. doing. Right. So if you're, if you're, if a video blows up, now the bar is super high. Yeah. And then the next videos, like the next four, let's say my next four videos don't do well. In my mind, I put the bar back down, and then it, it when it hits that bar again, it goes back up, right. and it's it's never <laughs> the same. Um. So I, I I for sure need to be better at viewing my own statistics in a in a positive way it can be very unhealthy for me where this project i is so healthy for me you know like the the major pain podcast i i've had some releases that have done better than others but there's you know but that's not what this project is about this is about like having good conversations and you know spreading some awareness and trying trying to have a library of episodes so that anyone with a rare disease or disability can find at least one conversation from another human being living through the same thing. You know, that's one of my big goals. So every episode has so much value to me. And because of that, like I, I, the numbers don't matter in a way that I've never experienced. And it's really freeing. It's allowed me to kind of exist in something and have it feel more sustainable. Yeah. That sense of fulfillment is very important in like a job or a hobby or life um and the fact that, that you have that with this is very cool and i'm very i'm very happy for you that's very exciting thank you and i imagine you must have that with your tiktok work as well i do i do sometimes yeah it depends yeah. <laughs> but yeah there there are times where i'm like i i really encompassed what i wanted to say um even if it's like a really stupid video sometimes i'll like throw in a hint of very real truth hmm. in there um and that always is very satisfying 
Yeah, totally. Well, okay. I have one more question for you. So sure. It sounds like you just had such incredible support growing up, which I'm thrilled to hear and still have such incredible support. Well, I hope that there are other people with uh, SMA, this SMA. <laughs> yes. I hope there are other people with SMA listening to this and, you know, having the opportunity to hear from you, someone living with this disease. Um, maybe they are earlier on in their journey and maybe they don't have the type of support that they deserve. Um, do you have any words of encouragement that you could share? The, the main thing I think it always boils down to is be yourself and don't forget to ask for help. Asking for help is such a freeing mindset um, because in my experience, at least for the most part, there will always be jerks, um, but people will help. People want to help. People feel good about helping. Um, so whether it's something as small as asking your friend in class to get a book out for you or whatever it may be, um, learning that skill and, and being okay with asking for help is actually very empowering and a very brave thing to do. Great advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Tyler, please tell us where people can connect with you online. And I know you have a fundraiser going for a new accessible van. I would love to boost that. So tell us where people can Thank go to you. connect with you. Absolutely. So on all socials, I think, um, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, it's just Tyler Roop, my first and last name, all lowercase. Um, I am fundraising for an accessible van. Uh, the link to that GoFundMe is in my TikTok bio. Um, and so even if anybody could spread the word, I always say it will find who it needs to find. So if you can't donate, um, just spreading the word is truly just as good because in these situations, it will find who it needs to find. But other than that, yeah, Tyler Group on all, all socials. And I really, really, really appreciate you having me on. Oh, this thank is you very so much. Cool. I've had an yeah. absolute blast. I will put a link to that in the show notes of this episode to that oh, GoFundMe. Awesome. Yeah. So if anyone's looking for a quick and easy way and I'll tag you on Instagram and TikTok when I uh, post this up. And are you on tw Twitter or YouTube as well? Uh, not YouTube. I have a Twitter, but I don't really, I don't really use it. <laughs> it's, I think it's also Tyler Roop. Okay. That's the story of Twitter these days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? It's there. We have it, but, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, it's been a long saga of me debating deleting the Twitter for this podcast, mm -hmm. but I haven't quite yet. Um, so, okay, I'll tag you when this goes out. I'll share that link. And I had an absolute blast today. Love chatting with me you too. so much. I've been so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Of course. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. 
Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, Justin Minnick, Heather Muncy, and Robert, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.